Hey, everybody. I want to welcome Roger Connors to Fangirl Radio. Roger is a writer, director, and actor in the horror genre uh, predominantly, but he has got a fantastic project that's coming out called Rebirth, and it is a Night of the Living Dead fan film, which looks fabulous and um online you can check out the trailer it is on youtube and we will have a link for you on fangirlmag.com um but roger welcome to fangirl radio we are welcome to pick your brain apart about this project and your work i can't wait i'm so excited thank you so much for having me we're very happy and with me as always is my lovely and talented co-host mr ryan stacy hey girl hey Hey, girl, hey. <laughs> it's going to be wild, I can tell already. Oh, God, yes. We, we, we're no holds barred today, and uh, we are happily gay today, and I am so excited to talk to you about this, because Night of the Living Dead, it, it, the, the fact that you're cr- taking what uh, Romero started uh, with the social commentary use of the zombies in this genre is so fabulous. And I want to, I want to find out how you came to put this together and what inspired you to do it. Absolutely. I am so excited to talk about it uh, with you. I've not really divulged too much information regarding that aspect of the film to anybody yet. Um, I've not really had a venue to discuss it. So I'm I'm thrilled you guys are having me. I think this is the perfect venue to uh, to talk about it. Um, I, I think this is uh, going to be fun because there's a lot of things I do want to share. I think that the fans when they when they hear a little bit more about the goal and the intention of this project, I I really think that they'll understand um, my intention behind it and why I wanted to bring it to fruition. Awesome. Sorry, uh, my microphone was on mute, so that's fine. I'm sitting here just, like, talking to myself. Like, <laughs> no, like, oh, well, I really lost their interest. Really <laughs> no, no. You know, I've had the, the real fun distinction of being um, in acquaintance with Roger for a very long time now, I feel. It's been a few years, hasn't it, Roger? Yeah, it's and been you, like, at least three, four, three or four. And I have not yet met you in person. I know. <laughs> that will be changed soon, I'm sure. You're, no. <laughs> but I have had the I've had the lovely distinction, Roger, of watching you talk about this project as you worked on it and as you shot it. And I believe one night um, we actually ended up having a phone conversation for a couple hours, and you talked at great mm-hmm. lengths of this project. So I won't divulge our personal conversation, but I do remember mm-hmm. just you had the most amazing intentions and motivations by doing this kind of retooling so thank you for coming mm-hmm. on and like talking with us about this thanks for spilling the tea girl yeah for sure <laughs> yeah i can't wait i'm so excited i'm yeah i um i wouldn't have done it i wouldn't have approached it as many have you know i wouldn't have approached uh revisiting the story if i didn't feel i could bring something valuable to it you know, something that resonated. Um, you know, it's been done so many times um, for different reasons. I, I mean, people have re- retold the story because they're fans. People have retold the story because they want money. I mean, let's be honest. It, it's it's There's a reason that the, the diehard fans of the original classic are hostile. I'm one of them when I've seen some of the remakes um, and the retellings. So um, I wanted to make sure if I did it, it was for the right reasons. Um, so um, again, I'm, I'm I'm really excited to talk about it with you guys. Well, and and so I saw the trailer on YouTube, and I thought it looked 
great. And I noticed a lot of like the radio broadcast was interweaving. A, uh, I, I, if I did not mistake myself on hearing the, our wonderful president um, being, uh, being on there throughout. And it just, mm-hmm. it, it, I mean, this, this, the story itself is just so prevalent and, and sadly keeps staying relevant in, mm-hmm. in the, in our world. And right now I can totally see uh, where it would just hit home on to so many people before it was racism. And, you know, in, in this day and age, it's still racism, but it's also just bigotry and intolerance. And, and that's become like the mainstream right now. And that's kind of yeah. amazing. Yeah. There's a lot of hate in the world right now. And I mean, there's always, there's always been, there always will be unless we can evolve beyond it. But um, uh, this is the first time for me as a 31 year old, you know, as, as someone who's coming into my prime uh, to see, I guess, our species at its worst. And um and it's, it's heartbreaking. It really it, it is. And I don't, you know, for a while, I was one of those people that would take to social media and spew my political views. I mean, you know, I'm extremely liberal, but um, which obviously, let's be real. Um, but um, even that, even in that, even though I thought my intentions were so righteous, um, it was it was becoming toxicity. Uh, I think social media is really in some ways it's an amazing thing. You know, it, it gives us a means of communication we've never had means of expressing ourselves artistically means of expressing uh, uh, our beliefs and sharing our interests. And that's amazing, but it also gives people a platform for the wrong reason. And I think that right now with everything that's happening, you know, under the Trump administration and, and everything that's stemmed from that, it's just really brought out the worst in people all across the board. Um, and so if, if you look back to the original film, the original 1968 uh, Night of the Living Dead, I mean, that rose from the ashes of war. That rose from a, a time in which people were, for the first time, really experiencing violence. Um, through newsreels and through, you know, television. It was the first time they really had that in their face. And I think it was a time that, at least within the United States, you know, people um, started to kind of adjust their viewpoints and, and realize what was going on in the world and, and how um, unfortunate it was and how violent it was and how hateful it was. And, um, and, and the one good, I don't say good thing, but one thing that does come from, Moments like that are, you know, art, music, film, just expression. And I do think that while Night of the Living Dead is, is a pinnacle horror movie and one of the top tier, most important pieces of horror cinema or even beyond just of cinema in general, um, the fact that it came at the time that it did and made the choices it did, uh, those are the reasons it truly still resonates to this day. Zombies are great. And, and that, that established what a zombie is to our culture. Um, but you can only do so much with, with a dead body that's going to eat your neighbor. You know, you can only tell so many stories with that. Night of the Living Dead gets into the heads of, an, of, of uh, your neighbors, of everyday people, of, of just average, everyday, normal human beings 
like the ones depicted in that farmhouse and how they think, how they work, how they operate under stress and how they collapse. And I think that's why that movie um, is still so vital and why so many people do choose to revisit it beyond the copyright issue. I, I think that the movie is important for so many reasons and it, and it just, it tells such a dynamic and terrifyingly realistic story set in kind of a fantasy scenario, you know? Well, and it's like a little microcosm of, of America in that house. And, Mm -hmm. and Mm -hmm. that's why I think it resonates in just you, it's one of those first, you really look at the people and more so than the zombies in there and you know that they just happen to be there it's sort of and you know mm-hmm. the walking dead has kind of taken that mantle and went with it because you're you're being you're right. focusing more on the people and and what the the psychology would uh be like for them in that scenario you your true self comes out right absolutely and 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 i, I do think that's one thing the movie does so well as it shows very realistic responses coming from very realistic depictions of everyday people. Um, and then like, for example, and one thing I've heard a lot is, is the character of Barbara being a, a, described as a weak female. Um, I, I, while I understand that angle, I don't necessarily agree. Um, I, I don't look at it as a, a female or a male issue. I look at it as a very human response to a very unsettling trauma. The, 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 when you think of what her character goes through in the first 10 minutes of that movie, I know a lot of people who would shut down and respond exactly the same way she did. But if you also look at her response and moments of action, I mean, she makes it as long as she does because when she needs to, she still fights. So um, I never looked at Barbara as weak. I looked at her as extremely human and I looked at her as, as well-written, to be honest. Yeah, and I mean, what would you do if you if you witnessed your brother die, and then he just shows up and you know what he is now? Uh, you, of course, you'd freeze. Of course, you'd freak out. Yeah, absolutely. That's one of the. Mo- I think that's. I mean, there's some terrifying moments in that film, but I think the standout moment for me has always been the moment she sees Johnny come through the door, and and I, I, what do you do? Like the whole movie, her focus. Her main end all is to find her brother, to save her brother. She's so convinced he's still alive. And that's her downfall. I mean, that's, that's terrifying. It's so, it's, it's so uh, heartbreaking when you think of that journey her character goes through. Yeah. I, well, I'm, I'm Ryan, Ryan. I don't want to like hog him to myself. <laughs> no, no, I, no, no. I'm just, tempting, <laughs> I'm actually just like lost in Roger's responses. Like they're just so, We've, uh, Jessica, you've had a lot of people on the show, and I know a lot of filmmakers. And Roger, I mean, I have to just commend you. You're incredibly articulate and thoughtful. And it's just very clear to me, um, you must have really impressed these producers for them to reach out and be so amicable with you and willing to work with you. Like, wow, kudos to you on the care, man. Thank you. Yeah, you know, it was it was very flattering to have... Um, you know, Gary Striner, Image 10, reach out to me directly and, and be so respectful and 
not hostile. You know, I completely understand their angle. Anyone who knows the copyright issue that existed with um, with the original film, I mean, it's there's a lot of anger amongst the fans about about the fact that it hasn't really been properly addressed. There's a lot of anger about all of the ripoffs and the remakes and the retellings that have made money off of it. Um, and and one thing that I was quick to explain to him, if he was already aware, is it was never my goal. The Night of the Living Dead Rebirth, now now titled Rebirth for reasons we'll discuss, um, was made for eight thousand dollars. It was made out of my pocket. Uh, nobody was paid. It was truly a fan effort. Um, uh, people coming together out of respect of the original film, fans of of, of of Romero and his work, who appreciated the fact that he could deliver a horror film that also uh, had meaning behind it, and and uh, and social commentary. I, I I don't want at this point in my life as someone who's worked in this genre for so long. I don't want to watch a movie unless it's going to make my wheel spin a little bit and make me think, you know, and I, I don't, I mean, I appreciate popcorn fluff. I, I do, but it's not going to stick with me and it's not going to stay up in my head and make me think about it days later, you know? Um, and, and one thing about Romero is he always, always had an end all goal of telling a, a story that had some more meat to it, you know? And so, um, when we got together to film Rebirth, it was truly the efforts of, of a lot of just hardworking, diehard fans who wanted to pay their respect to the original material and, um, and just give, a, 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 give it a fresh take. It never, never, dollar signs were never in our eyes. It was never the goal. You know, um, it was truly just to tell the story in a modern setting as it would apply to today's society, you know? Now, um, that being said, I can tell, I'm curious actually seeing how your trailer, was your DP Mm -hmm. a fan of the original film? Yes. Well, first of all, let me just put it on the table. My director of photography is a woman and the movie looks as, (laughs) yes, right. The movie looks as good as it does because of Noelle Bai. Um, she really, you know, she brought a feminine edge to, the visuals and, and from behind the camera. And it, it, it really worked for this movie when with some of these scenes, when you guys see kind of where we take the journey, when we talk about the social context and how prevalent it is, um, that, that feminine eye came in very, very handy. Um, there's more heart to the film. There's more sensitivity. Um, the connections between certain characters are very human uh, and I'm, I really have Noelle to thank for a lot of that because she um, she wasn't just in it for the action and the gore, you know. She uh, really took the film and she elevated it to another level. Well, and and one I, I wanted to talk about that social commentary part because uh, it mm-hmm. you you for uh, for all intents and purposes it seems like your character is kind of taking on the Barbara role in terms of being sort of the unofficial lead in a way. Um, you've, cause it's, I always thought the, the film had two, two leads with, um, with the two characters that we follow throughout for the most part. And it, it's always mm-hmm. great because mm-hmm. you have the African-American male who typically is fodder 
in horror films usually and mm-hmm. he's the guy mm-hmm. he's the man in this in mm-hmm. the lead and then you have the female character of barbara who is your heroine she's you know you think they're going to make it through together and it, and that's right. one of the things with uh, romero's film that i always thought was it doesn't play out at all like you think it's going to play no. but but, um, but for good reason for yeah. good reason when you think of the story and the finale as heartbreaking as that is the conclusion, it stick, it sits with you, and it sits in the pit of your stomach. And that the final frames of that film are far more powerful than any positive, optimistic conclusion they could have had. No, it's real. It's realism. Yeah. That's that's the reality. Yeah. Right. Absolutely. Um, so yeah. No. So regarding my character, I mean, you're absolutely right. I'm, Adam is <clears throat> Adam is Barbara. He is a gay male take on the, the what is typically the female uh protagonist and um when i first started working on the script i, I you know I, I had the idea in my head because it was the reason to do it um and it was terrifying and i thought wow i'm going to offend so many people um if i if i make this bold choice of taking a beloved female figure from a, a very popular film and I make such a drastic change, um, especially when not all of the characters are changed that much, you know. Um, but it gave me purpose to retell the story from a different angle. Um, and so with Adam, it, he is, to a certain extent, he is Barbara. He goes through much of her journey. Um, I mean, down to even the jacket. You know, we designed the character to be uh, uh in her likeness and even i mean i'm i'm blonde i've just got i i really wanted to play up the similarities but at the same time have it be a different gender um so that was always the goal um but one thing that really did having that character portrayed the way he is um is it took the journey between now adam and ben and it made it something really touching um because a swan harris who plays ben we tweaked that character a little bit as well um and we based him off the original script of night of the living dead uh where he was written to be like a rough truck driver he wasn't the eloquent uh, dwayne jones interpretation and you know no one's ever going to create that you know and i didn't want to i wanted to bring a character who would feel blue collar relatable um, and, and give him a heart. And the interpretation that we got of this character, the performance from Aswan, really it's very touching. There is just a lot of genuine uh, caring for, for Adam um, throughout the course of the story, um, just out of the concern of the, the trauma he's gone through. And it really, really just um, adds another layer to their relationship. Because they're two totally different people, which they were in the original too. You know, white woman and a black man in 1969. Well, uh, now you've got a gay white male and a a rough African American man who are just from two different worlds coming together for survival. It really just added a, a different layer to the onion. You know, that's great. That's awesome, Roger. <laughs> that's an incredible viewpoint to have on it, man. Yeah, thank you. That was my goal. I, I, like I said, if if I can't retell the story and make it different and make it make it feel like its own 
thing, while at the same time very much being a homage to the original, why do it? I'm not looking to just cash in on the title. I want to tell a story that I think would make Romero proud, knowing what he stood for, um, knowing what he represented when he cast Dwayne Jones in the leading role, because he was the most talented man who auditioned for it. You know, he didn't see color. He saw the power in the performance. Um, and so today in 2017, I want to, I want something that's going to be powerful and something that's going to make people react when they watch it and not just think, Oh, there's another take on night of the living dead and yet another one. There's a reason for this one, you know? That's great. Well, and, and one thing I wanted to ask you about, and Ryan and I have talked about this before, um, on the show is mm-hmm. I, and I'm, I'm curious to see your take on it is it seems to me like horror films and the horror family, I could, I just consider it my horror family at this point um, is very much a haven for the LBGQ community. And I was wondering uh, from your standpoint, why is that? Why is it that it seems like there is such a prevalent gay and lesbian and, and bi and trans love here for the horror genre? Mm-hmm. Um, I think when you think of the horror genre, I think you one thing that like comes to mind, at least when I think of it, is even in the classic you know, films of, of yesteryear, um, it was a genre that started kind of evolving a little bit ahead of its time. Um, uh, not necessarily with like the major players, you know, you didn't. Oftentimes, you have a a white female in the lead, um, but. I can think of plenty of examples of, of classic horror movies that did start to embrace minorities, um, even in some, you know, simplistic forms, Franklin and Texas Chainsaw, you know, you have a, a wheelchair bound character who is a, a large role and that's a major aspect of who he is. And it, it affects the storyline, you know? So you, when you think of, of minorities that don't get heavily represented, I do think that horror has offered, um, at least uh, interpretations of, 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 of minorities to certain extents that you wouldn't always get in a rom-com or a, a comedy up until, you know, more recent years. I do think that that was the first honor to really embrace diversity. Um, and I think the LGBTQ community acknowledges that. Um, so, I mean, that I, I guess that would be my angle. Uh, I've, I've seen a lot of films recently, classic movies, that um, that I I remember watching them and thinking, wow, like there are characters in this that just seem a lot more human than they need to to in a in a standard horror film, um, and that that stuck with me, you know. Well, and and I think too, like with uh, James Whale and you know Frankenstein and Bride of Frankenstein, he he pushed mm-hmm. a lot of boundaries with those films mm-hmm. and kind mm-hmm. of the subversion angle and then you have I always bring up Rod Serling um, as well with the stuff that he managed to get through and talk about using the the horror genre and the sci-fi genre and I I think it's just that's probably why I love it so much it seems like the home of all of us who don't fit in anywhere else right very true definitely I mean definitely let's just ask an example was it the best way to interpret it now, but with it pivotal to the storyline, Sleepway Camp. Look at the end of Sleepway Camp. You have a transgender character. The one character that carries through the series, major factor, you know, she's transgender. Um, I think 
it's a what a bold choice to even have that be an option. And that was just a, it's just a slasher movie that thought to have that character, have that be their journey. Traumatized by how they were, were, they were treated and struggled with it, which absolutely makes, makes sense. Uh, I'm not the outcome of killing people is reasonable, but, but the journey <laughs> that she goes through, um, and that's one example of something, you know, but. Uh, I think you. I think minorities have always kind of found a home in the horror genre, um, and and I think now in 2017 we're seeing that more than ever. Um, I, I'm I'm seeing so many more movies that have major characters who are you know members of my, minority groups who are major players in these films. Right. Right, I'm. I'm gonna give you. I'm gonna give you time now because I've. I've. Pre- I've dominated. <laughs> no, but you know, I would just like to further on the point that you both were just making about um, LGBT and horror. Uh, I just feel like sometimes in horror films, there's a lot of um, escapism for oppressed people. And I think that, um, well, specifically one horror film that speaks so loudly to the gay community is Carrie. And it's just, mm-hmm. um, it's, it's a redemption story. We all, I mean, I'm not saying that we would want to take human lives, but damn it, it felt good when she did it. After watching her get yeah. the shit kicked out of her for an entire movie, she gets hers and it's just gratifying. It's empowering. And it's a way. Yeah, to yeah, and, yeah. Exactly. Like, again, the outcome with that, I agree. It's not. I mean, it's not like she's the hero by any means. No, but she had enough. The <laughs> girl had, The girl had enough, and you know what? Right. I would. I'd be lying if I said I. Um. I didn't see a little joy when when you know Nancy Ellen gets gets blown up, <laughs> or or right. um. You know, like I. I these are some just really awful people who just took joy in tormenting that, that poor girl. And, and Carrie's one of my favorites. And, and for the exact reason you're speaking of, it's relatable. Mm-hmm. A lot of us in our younger years went through that journey. I was bullied when I was a kid. Everyone knew I was gay. I, I didn't understand how to masculinize myself <laughs> until right. I was in my 20s. And, not, and that was because I, you know, I started to discover myself that I was a very feminine child and it did not go over well. At a Catholic oh. school. Oh shit! <laughs> oh man! Yeah, it was, it, Ouch! It was rough. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But I learned a lot. I mean, I'm in a way, I'm happy I had that experience because I kind of was forced to uh, develop a thicker skin, and uh, I, I mean, it made me who I am today. You know, and I'm very confident in who I am as a gay man. I love the fact that I'm a member of the LGBTQ community. Uh, enough so to direct films regarding the material. So um, it was very defining for me. And you're absolutely right when you say that horror is escapism. Yes. It, 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 yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Well, and I've, I've had friends that have uh, written articles because they've lived this where they use horror films to help get them through cancer. Uh, and 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 recuperating from sur- major surgery and getting through it because it allowed them to fight. And then there's other things like the wonderful documentary that Heather Langenkamp did called "I Am Nancy," where you have people that are using horror to cope with major trauma like rape mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. using it. And I think that it you know it, it just pisses me off 
constantly that you know the Oscars and and major awards kind of screw over all the time horror films because they just see it as the throwaway genre the grindhouse genre that the one that no one can take seriously it doesn't matter and and i keep coming back to serling and like romero you know these guys saw it as what it it could be and be used for and and took material and rose it to a level of of art in uh, talking about issues that you would never normally be unable to anywhere right i think it takes i think it takes a certain director though to have the balls to inject um meaning and commentary of that level in, into the genre um I, I, you know there's a reason that the horror genre is the go-to for the indie community um it's oftentimes an easy stepping stone. Um, and, you know, if you have a few good kills, you're still going to keep people's attention through the course of the movie. It doesn't mean it's going to be a good one. You know, it takes, it, it takes a, a real director, though, to be willing to challenge themselves to give their material thought and meaning and purpose and and that I think that's what separates the men from the boys, you know, when it comes to not just the independent film scene, just directors in general. Um, and that's why certain ones stand out, and that's why certain ones are acknowledged. And and I, I do agree, horror is often overlooked um, uh, because it's often thought of as the dis, you said you know disposable. Um, but I, I think there, you know, there's clearly exceptions to that rule. I think there are directors who have made movies who ha- that have impacted generations. You know, um, I do hope though that it, <laughs> that uh, it only continues to become more prominent and prevalent, and that it starts to become more and more respected. Because it's uh, the horror genre is when you think of what you're doing with a horror movie you are convincing your mind to experience the sensations of fear of, uh, and, and literally affect your heart rate, like uh, feel the feelings you would have if you're in a real situation and you're watching it on a screen. And that is a challenging task. Fear, to truly provoke fear from an adult, it takes a lot of work. You know, so, so I mean, hats off to any directors who dare step into the genre to begin with because it is if you're looking to make a real horror movie that's going to affect people and impact them it's not it's not easy as i think many people think it is many people blow horror off as being the simplistic easiest genre of them all to direct and i just don't think that's that's true at all well, and I actually uh, just interviewed uh, Lee Winnell, who has the new Insidious movie coming out. And we talked mm-hmm, about mm-hmm. his process, which I always, if you couldn't tell, I like picking the brains of, of creators and stealing things from them. <laughs> like, I want to know why, mm-hmm. how you do what you do kind of deal. Right. And talking to him, it was interesting uh, to find out how he goes about writing the script. And, and he's like, it's not easy because you first have to think what scares me. And if you can go from there, 
it's a kind of a universal emotion. If you can figure out what scares you on a level, um, Mm -hmm. on a, on a primal level, then you just work from there out. And you've got to do that to yourself and you've got to delve deep because it's, you know, we live in a time where kids are getting shot in schools. You've, you've got to deal with, you know, I'm terrified of the guy we've got in charge of our country at this point. Every day is a new adventure in terms of what the hell are we going to fucking have to deal with today? Um, What are we going to blow up today? Are we going to get blown up today? And so you've got to go and really drill in for that. And then once you find it, you you've got to figure a way to get it out there that's going to really affect someone right yeah yeah and then what you said that you know uh, about um looking for what scares you um and and translating that to screen uh i completely agree um i one of the adjustments i made in the script and this this isn't really something i've talked about yet i'm actually kind of excited to talk about it a little bit so you know we've got adam who is an interpretation of Barbara uh, Gay. Well, the Coopers, uh, as you learn, are based off the Westboro Baptist Church. Oh God! <laughs> and they and and Reverend Harold Reverend Harold Cooper is very much the head of the church. And when he finds out that there's a gay man in the house during oh. what he thinks to be the end of times. Uh, he doesn't want him in the house. Oh man! He thinks that the reason that the, the zombies, that you know, the undead, that the, the the monsters are coming to them, is because Adam is drawing them. Oh, and that wow. creates a new level of tension and hostility that didn't, you know, that just didn't exist at that really at that time. It just wasn't palpable enough. The LGBTQ community was obviously coming to the forefront uh, at, that, at that point, but it wasn't, I think, in the public's eye enough to really make it hit home. Um, so now, in 2017, when you look at the Trump administration and you look at what they just re- released today, um, certain key words not being able to be used, transgender being among them um, for reports, and uh, uh, just how they're specifically target, um, targeting science-based facts all of these things that are extremely, you know, Christian mentalities. And I have nothing against Christianity. I was raised a Catholic. I'm not, I don't practice anymore for reasons, obviously. <laughs> um, but, um, but I respect religion and the good it can do. But I also acknowledge when in the hands of the wrong people, that it's probably more dangerous than anything. else. Um, and so for me, taking that character and making him, you know, into the character I did, you know, Reverend Harold Cooper. Um, I had a very specific goal with how I wanted to present that um, without insulting religion in general, because like, as I said, I, in the words of um, Hedwig and the angry inch, when it comes to Jesus, you know, I, I don't necessarily believe him, but I love his work. I love you. (laughs) That is a great, great Um, line. (laughs) And uh, I I think that when when used for the powers of good, Christianity and religion is a beautiful thing. But when when used to discriminate, to target, to tell people what they can and cannot do, to tell people how they can and cannot use their bodies, that's not Christian. It's power. That's hunger for power. 
And I think we have a very power-hungry administration right now. So that was my goal with that adjustment. And that adjustment is pretty prominent in, in my film. Um, and it does directly affect the story, as you will see when uh, once the, the film is completed and screened. Yeah, I noticed that there was a reverend in front of his name on the um, on the credits list. And I was like, ooh, I think I know what he's going to do. And you just confirmed it. I'm like, that's going to be amazing to see. Yeah, there's a scene in the movie um, between Adam and and Reverend Cooper. And, and just to, to clarify, Adam's character, it goes through a very similar journey as Barbara. He, he does shut down. Um, and he's, you know, he's not a forceful personality, but Reverend Cooper is. Um, and there's a scene between them that's just, it's, it, it takes place as a TV report goes on between a, uh, uh, an interviewer and another Christian extremist. And they're just watching this report. And Reverend Cooper is just listening to it and, and kind of just giving his commentary. And it, that slowly turns into targeting the character of Adam and it's while like the zombies and the gore and the horror are all I'm super proud of what we did it's moments like that that I feel make the film stand out as something unique so when can people expect to see it because now I really want to see it even more than I did (laughs) Um, well so it's (laughs) It's been in production for a long time. Um, we, I mean, we started shooting in 2014. We actually lost the movie at one point and had to have it salvaged uh, due to a, a technical error. So we had to go back in and completely redo the film. Oh, wow. we, we were able to salvage the footage. We lost the whole cut of the movie. Not a lot of people know that. Um, and it was not really in anyone's control what happened. Um, but one good thing that came from that is... Um, because I wanted to make sure that we, we got this done, we got it done right, and we did it at a speed that, that it was still relevant, you know, um, with what's going on, you know, this year, and I'm sure we'll continue going on next year. Um, so I brought on a, 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 a few editors who are just amazingly capable. Um, uh, Malachi, Mick, and Brandon, uh, I've got these guys who just are these really open-minded, intelligent, talented uh, just skilled individuals who got what I was going for w- with my message and have amplified it and taken it to another level. So luckily having them uh, manning the ship at this point in the, you know, in the phase that we're in um, heavy into post, um, I I'm confident we will have the film done next year. And I'm thinking it's going to be, probably around March that the film will be completed done. Uh, as for screening it, um, I'm aiming for a late spring premiere. So it, it's definitely going to be done in 2018. They already are at a point with the film that the, the, the timeline's complete. We're going back into it and just tightening and tweaking, um, adding a little CGI. I'm trying to avoid it, but some of the moments just kind of require it uh, just with where we're, we're taking it. But um, I mean, it's, it's, they're moving at a, a, a speed that it was never moving before. So seeing what they're pulling off and what they're accomplishing, it's given me so much hope. At one time I had none. I really thought the movie was not going to come out. Um, and now, yeah, I'm, I'm confident that we will see 
something by the summer. Fabulous. So everybody, I want to, I want to thank you, Roger, for coming on. This was awesome. We'd love to have you come back and closer to the film's release and talk about what's Mm -hmm. going on and, and where people can find it and see it. And thank you for making this. This just sounds great. And I can only imagine Papa George giving you his blessing for it because you're doing what he started. Little fact, just so you know, and this is one of the things that I both, I took it really hard, but I also kind of like lit a fire under my ass. George Romero died on my birthday. Oh. Oh. And it crushed me because I was like, I really like, I genuinely wanted him to see it. You know, I genuinely, when I was making this, that was in mind. That was, that was who I wanted to impress and, and just say, you inspired me with the risks you took when you took them. And I, and it's still, you know, it's still in, in, impacting filmmakers to this day. Um, and, and so that, I mean, and obviously that's not possible now, but it did make me think, you know what, I can't let this thing sit any longer. I don't care what technical issues, what we've had. I don't care what, how, how long and hard this road has been. Um, I've got to get this thing finished. There's been so many people, so many fans who, who came out and just worked their asses off. And, um, and so, yeah, it just, that was kind of like, when that happened, I was like, this is kind of like, it's depressing, but it's a sign that I can't miss any more opportunities with this. I've got to finish this thing. Wow. Well, and Roger, I'm sorry to interject, Jess. I just want to say, no, no, go for it. Not only, um, am I incredibly, uh, proud of the work you have put in in creating this um, as a, a fellow gay man. I am also just incredibly um, happy and proud of you and excited for you as a, a fellow filmmaker here in Ohio. Like, congratulations. It seems like your hard work is really Thank paying you. off, Roger. You're welcome. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, even, you know, even just from the, the, the fact that we, the trailer, the teaser got the amount of views it received, I, I was blown away. I didn't, I did not think that was going to happen. You know, I mean, this is a shoestring movie. It's, it's really just a bunch of friends and, and indie filmmakers getting together and just trying to make something good. But I didn't, I didn't think it was going to receive the reception it did. And uh, alone having so many people support it, I knew that the fanboys that didn't know what I was doing were going to be hostile. I was already prepared for it because you see another movie with Night Living Dead attached to it, and automatically there's going to be, and I. I get it. I completely get it. And as anything, I was bracing myself for it for a while. Um, so, but to see that a lot of the reviews of the teaser were excited for it, are looking forward to it, get what we're doing with it, that really motivated me as well to know that people are not soured by our approach. Oh, that's great. And I can totally see people embracing this even more so right now with the environment we're in. And and it's brave of you to do it. 100%. Thank you. Sure, yeah. yeah. Thank you so much, guys. Thank you. I thank you for uh, thank you for recognizing what we're trying to do with it and, and being receptive to it. Um, I, I, it is really a beautiful thing to hear people talk about something you've worked on and be inspired by it or even just being able to relate to it um, and being able to talk with you guys about what the fuck we're going on is going on with our country and how toxic it is and how 
just inhuman it is. And, and the fact that there is just no love for your neighbor, no love for humanity, it's just such a, a, a negative time frame. And, and I'm, the only thing I can really do is just vent my frustrations and my anger and my hostility into art. And, and that's what I know to do. And that's what I wanted to do. So hearing you guys be receptive to it makes me so happy. Um, and I, I hope I continue to hear the kind of feedback that I'm hearing from you. I don't, I don't doubt it a minute. I don't doubt it at all. Not at all. Well, Roger, thank you again. And everybody, um, we'll have mm -hmm. a link up for Fangirl Magazine for the, the teaser. And we're going to keep you appraised as uh, this gets closer to release. And then we'll have Roger back to talk about it. And mm -hmm. I can't wait. So thank yes. you again. Thank you again. And thank you, Ryan. You're welcome. Ryan, for bringing him to my well, attention. Thank you, Ryan. <laughs> yeah, not a, not, a pro not a problem. You know, I just, we got we to gotta look out for each other. And Roger's a real, real talented guy. So I'm really, thank I'm you, really excited you. to see what other tricks he's got up his sleeve. I got a few. I, got a few. <laughs> I do love the trench coat. It. I do love that trench coat, man. The trench coat. Thank rock. you. You know what? I've gotten so many compliments from the gays about the boots. The boots. <laughs> Not, it's nothing to do with Barbara, but like, I, I was like, I got to get these really gay boots. So I'm like hunting for boots, which are like $350. I got totally ruined during the movie. But, like, I made the right call on the costume, it sounds like. It got a lot of gays supporting it, so that's a good thing. <laughs> You're also giving me a little, like, young Dr. Loomis realness a little. Oh, it's true. With, uh, yes, I can see that. What if, like, yeah. this is the beginning and the next chapter is, is his foray into psychology? Like, never <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Oh, my God. No universes collide. <laughs> God, I wish. If only... <laughs> We're blowing people's minds now. Now we're blowing people's minds. <laughs> the place that like, I it's literally that... like that Indiana Jones moment where the faces are melting. That's what's happening. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. They would just I don't be know. like, what are they doing? I don't think we can stop that. So everybody, thank you again. <laughs> now that destroyed your universe with our our ideas thank you again and um we will see you next week on fangirl radio thank you guys bye. thank you bye <laughs>